Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a brand new series to celebrate the symposium launch, a virtual gymnastics educational event hosted by Shift, June 10th to June 12th. Introducing the Shift Symposium's guest speakers, Lenny McRina. This week's mini podcast episode is another of the 2022 Shift Symposium's guest speakers, Lenny Macrina, Dave's friend, mentor, and co-founder of Champion Physical Therapy and Performance. Lenny is a board-certified sports physical therapist and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He participates in clinical research with the American Sports Medicine Institute in Birmingham and has co-authored several current concept papers, book chapters, and research papers while presenting at various national conferences. He will be presenting on day one of the symposium, discussing everything you need to know about ACL and meniscus injuries in impact-based athletes. Not only the younger kids who are like early talented, but also those transitional years of college and whatever it is, is that, you know, the, the optimal dosage of stress, stress plus the optimal recovery does create adaptation. That's like the basic equation of how we're designed. Whether we're doing that with PT or strength and conditioning or in the technical side of throwing or doing gymnastics, the problem is that when you have all these competitive stressors of school and another sport and camps and clinics and showcases, like there's never time to get recovery so your body can adapt. And that's why periodization is so important. Like that's what I see as the biggest issue is no, typically no one's ever afraid to, if they really care about the sport, they're not afraid to work hard, right? And the coaches want to push them. But the problem is that with either a really, if you're doing two a days and you don't recover at night and you wake up the next morning for practice, you're still, you're like 50% in the tank. Like you're completely gassed out. Yeah. The reason we're being so, I guess, like sticky about like trying to make sure you understand the optimal dose of stress is because you don't get stronger when you're throwing or when you're doing pull-ups. You get it when you do that, eat well, sleep enough, drink water, yeah. take care of yourself right. and go to bed and you wake up and you're, you're stronger, you're better over the course of a week. So like that's the equation you have to play with is like stress over a week, stress over a season and then stress over a career of 10 years from right. 12, from whatever, eight to 18 that you got to manage somebody if they want to get to college. Right. And I think that's what Tim Gabb is trying to do. Um, you know, I'm very curious to hear what he has to say and how we can potentially apply it to baseball. It's, it's a struggle for us right now to be able to apply those concepts to baseball. Maybe he can drop some knowledge on us when I talk to him uh, soon. Um, but I know you've done, how are you doing with that? How's that gymnastics acute chronic? Is that, is that working? Are you seeing good progress? I know it's still early. Are you seeing yeah. good things with that? Not to turn the podcast into me no. asking you questions, but I'm just curious. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the real issue, right? Going back to the, the how much is too much. The real issue is culture change and dealing with people's egos and, right. and, and power and status seeking. The other half is finding a better workload equation. And so, yeah, I think that, so definitely there's, um, Tim's done so much good work in other sports. And I think that it's been really helpful to, to build a system that starts in gymnastics. There's definitely some pushback I'm seeing in the research about how maybe it's not valid and like, it's not right. as good as it means. And like, obviously right. the pendulum is super hard. So anybody yeah. who's like, Tim, Tim, out of all people I've worked with, I thought he was going to be only a numbers guy, but he does care about the athlete and the person right. and just talk about the issue. And so that being said, yeah, we're developing, um, we're in the final stages of, of we pilot data that 10 weeks and it was, it was interesting to see. Um, I don't think it was, it was way too biased. I was doing it. It was like complete garbage methods of, stat, of like stat taking and stuff. But the interesting thing for me was to see, I prescribed the same training load for 10 weeks to all the athletes, but the graphs of different responses based on school, stress, sleep, right. different stuff was like all over the map. So that was the biggest thing that I took away of the pilot data so far was that like the yeah. individual response of training is massively different for all the kids. Right. And 
And I'm sure in baseball, you'd see the same thing that if you got like a whole bunch of kids and you had something that was valid and you put it into practice, you'd be like, holy hell, like we threw, we all threw the same amount of pitches. We kind of did the same workouts. Right. Why is Johnny like happy as a clam and like little Phil over here is miserable. I'm like, you yeah. see that because emotional, that's how our stress yeah, response works. Cool. But yeah. we're in the second stage now. So I paid, um, I'm working with one of Tim's people. I paid him to create gymnastics specific data worksheets that we're going to put in next, but the goal is to get multi-center non-biased data. And I think that we're really onto something. If nothing else, we're at least looking at um, how the body of a gymnast responds to a training load. And that alone is pretty important in a valid way. So for people that are not familiar, you take, we're taking the, the time on an event. We're multiplying that by a weighting factor, which is like one is just a warm up four is like the hardest thing you've ever done in your life of a routine. We're multiplying that by a, an event rate of perceived exertion. So we'll get three numbers multiplied, gives you a training unit for that event. And you add that up for the day, you get an arbitrary gymnastics unit, which then you get to the week and you can look at the comparison of week to week training loads. But I like it because coaches can plan uh, what they think they want the training load to be working up to a competition. And then their gymnasts can report and the graphs that we have now are going to show the differences between those two of actual versus perceived training loads. So yeah. it's coming along, but now it's got to be, we got to get a lot of money to pay for it in other centers that are not mine. Right. Yeah. Neat. That sounds, sounds great. I don't know how we would ever do that with baseball. I feel like we could, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just all these kids, you have bigger teams and you have different positions and, you know, first baseman versus pitcher versus catcher. And it's just, I don't know, I guess, I guess you just focus on pitches and just see what they do. And then you have relief pitches and you have, you have all these, you have guys all over the place. So I don't know. It's curious, but I'm definitely going to pick Tim's brain. I know Mike will too, when he comes to our facility sometime in 2019. Yeah. yeah I think the, uh, the, I think it can be done in baseball too. Cause you guys have the luxury of better technology, which is what I struggle with because you know, right. the, the, Tim's work in rugby and soccer is you just slap a GPS on someone, you strap a heart rate monitor and you can look at like accelerometer data of high seed sprinting versus, you know, heart rate versus that. And you guys could probably use the modus sleeve and some other stuff like that with data compared to heart rate with compared to perceived exertion and get some sort of thing. The challenge is that there's, there's two ends of, of workload systems that if people aren't familiar, there's an, there's an external workload, which is like the number of throws, the number of times you impact the floor in gymnastics, the you know, the actual work done, like the, the number yeah. of pounds you lift in the weight room. And then in between you have on the other side is an, is an internal workload, which is the perceived exertion, right? And because the body's perception of stress recruits a bigger stress response. So if like you're super sleepy and you didn't really eat enough and you feel like crap, the workouts yeah. perceived way harder. So you recruit a bigger, what's called an allostatic load. So you have more, like you pour more resources into doing it. It takes longer to recover. So you have well-being on one side, you have external workloads on the in outside and you want to get markers of both of those, which is GPS data. And then, you know, wellness surveys, the thing in the middle with the thing we're doing in this gymnastics version is trying to get a mixed modality of both. So it's like rate of perceived exertion, but it also has a prescription of workload and it also has a time duration. So if we're going to try to put a heart rate monitor on somebody, do it with the system that I'm building and then also correlate that to maybe performances of scores it meets and things like that, which is why I'm paying someone to build this data worksheet because it's crazy complex. But the thought is that if we use that with injury data, we could maybe gather a year's worth of data and see the workloads and then reverse correlate the risk to heart rate data or impacts or scores, things like that and see what happened. But yeah. I think that could happen in baseball. I really do. You just got to, yeah. it's someone who knows the sport to speak the language and be able to understand how to create a system. But then it also takes someone who knows the sport to build trust with the athletes to be compliant and tracking the data. That's the hardest right. part. Yeah. Yeah. I worry about rate of perceived exertion that kids aren't going to really tell the truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, no, nah, I feel like I'm fine. I'm, I'm like a seven. I feel good when they're like, you know, you know, you're not, you know what I mean? But kids don't always want to reveal their weaknesses. So 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the range of kids, right? Like some kids going to be like, nah, it's a zero. And you know, they're like about to black out. And then some kids like sweat right. one drop, like 10 out of 10. This is awesome. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, I know. So yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit more on the solution side. I think we've done a very good job of saying we have a problem. Um, but let's spend the last 15 minutes on like, let's go practical solutions to what we yeah. have found helpful making a dent in, you know, some of the knee injury risk or also like on the medical side, let's maybe talk about like what needs to happen to make sure people are ready with not just like ACL meniscus, you know, right. knee pain, yeah, yeah. term. Just in, in general, I think, I just think kids need to, they need to find a medical practitioner, a PT or a strength coach that they trust. Because I think it's somebody who's engaged in the field. They know the sport. Like we know baseball, you know, gymnastics, you know how to speak the language and talk the talk. Um, and then it's implementing a program that's best for them. Understanding that they want to do this training, gymnastics specific training, but they have to do strength training. They need to learn how to jump and land correctly. Um, you know, I don't know what the, the ACL risk is or the knee risk uh, injury rate for uh, gymnastics. It's not high. that high. It, high, right, exactly. It's not that high in baseball, but we know that we can control the forces on the shoulder and elbow by implementing certain certain uh, programs into a kid's uh, life that will affect uh, how, how much layback he has, so how far back he can throw the ball, how much, how far back he can get his, uh, his elbow, his shoulder. Um, and if we can keep flexibility, if we can keep range of motion, if we can keep strength and have a baseline and you're taking baseline measurements on the kids specific to their sport, whatever that is in gymnastics, I'll leave that up to you guys. If you can keep those those baseline numbers in a certain range, I think you have you're going to lower your risk for injury. Never mind, you know, reducing uh, the volume of throws and all all the other stuff that happens, or, or jumps and landings, or you know, uh, tumble tracking. Um, I know I'm kidding. I don't know gymnastics um, that well. I know gymnastics a little. I know it a lot better now than I did three four years ago. It was um, painful when we first started. Yeah, it's still painful, but um, I, I think we have to implement certain programs like strength training, like we do arm care, whether you do back care or, you know, whatever that is giving the kids a feeling that they're, they're feeling better, they're making gains, they're recovering faster, they're implementing a better diet and sleep education. And you get kids staying up till two, three in the morning playing Fortnite. I mean, and then going to school the next day, it's absolutely out of control. It's Fortnite still a thing. I know kids are still playing Fortnite. Um, but uh, we talked about the sleep. So educating, there's a ton of education, but people don't want to hear it. So it's, it's actually doing stuff. So they see the gains that they see the, the, the rewards of, of their work. And um, for us, like I said, we're doing soft tissue work on shoulder. I, I know that applies to gymnastics. We're trying to keep, you know, flexibility for a baseball players getting in the overhead position for gymnastics. Same thing. It's just they're tumbling on their hands. Um, it's keeping hips and quads strong in the baseball throwing motion. If you don't have strong hips and, 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 and glutes and quads, you're in trouble. Same thing. Yeah. Obviously, same thing. Look at gymnasts. They're huge in that area. Um, and you say, all right, well, they're so big in that area. Why do they still get hurt? It's a volume issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a fatigue issue. So it still comes down to maintaining the strength that they had at baseline. So for us, we're implementing these programs, and uh, we think we're helping. We are helping. It seems like it. We have kids that come back to us and say, I had the best year I've ever had. Thanks for helping me out. I've never done this stuff before. We hear it all the time. So I think there is a, there's, we think there's a solution, somewhat of a solution. It's just, it has to be implemented and accepted by coaches and parents, you know? 
Yeah, I agree too. I think that the the practical solutions to these things, number one, like we said, is education is like not pointing fingers at anybody, but taking accountability for your role and maybe needing to learn more and, and get new concepts. But working together to educate the athletes, the parents, the coaches, the medical providers, everybody to be on the same page is really important. But then two is definitely changing the way we approach flexibility and making sure that the joints are not already getting stressed with like crazy in range stretching or stuff like that, which is what you guys have done a lot of work in baseball to help, you know, pitchers learn about. And then right. three, yeah. Is a, is a better hybrid model of strength and conditioning that's scientifically based and has, you know, good research to support why you're doing certain exercises like the, if you look at champion, like probably 70% of the programs between baseball and gymnasts that come and work out with us in the, in the summer and stuff are pretty similar, but there's a lot of variability too for the different demands of a gymnast. So it's doing proactive right. soft care, it's strength and conditioning. It's, it's, it's the delayed gratification of a longer, you know, competitive right. career, not peaking so early. Like all these things are conversations we need to have that are, that are not happening because of, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, attention and status and trying to get money and, and, you know, young kids to get pushed hard. But those are the real conversations that if you, if you want to make a, a dent in the knee injury risk, the elbow injury risk, the shoulder injury risk or back or whatever, like you have to have these hard conversations with the athletes and with the parents and be like, listen, I know you want to push real hard now, but like you're at a super high risk of open growth plates. You're growing fast. Like you're going to get stiff because when you grow, your muscles get a little stiffer and you got to catch up. Like you have a huge risk of injury right now. And like, maybe we need to pull back on competitions. Maybe we need to take like a, a gap year, so to speak, where we do very minimal competitions and we just work on getting you strong, getting you through puberty, like building a foundation, like learning how to take care of yourself, learning how to go to sleep and recover and stuff like right. that. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, 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 there's a lot. There's so many different avenues you can go down as long as people are willing to listen. Some are, and some are going to walk out of that meeting and say, like, this guy does not know what he's talking about. He's, he's not what we want to hear. And they'll move on to find somebody else. There's always going to be somebody else out there who's going to say what you want to hear and implement the programs that you want because there's money involved. So you hope that you're putting a good message out and people trust you and word gets out to their friends and it's happening yeah. with you. It's happened with you. you got a ton of kids that now come down from all over the U.S., you know, if not all over the world that are coming to see you. So word is getting out. Um, and I think all that eventually shows it eventually, you know, you can do everything you can, all the other programs that are out there. I think eventually the, the honest and true and respectable program that is, is not going to break the bank and it's not, it's, 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 it's helpful and kids are talking about it. I think, and you, you respect the kids and you talk their language. I, I think that it eventually it comes out and then people will eventually buy in. It's just, you got, a, you got a long road ahead with, with the gymnastics world. And we still do a baseball just because it, it is what it is. There's a lot of old school thinking still going on. Yeah. So I can't imagine gymnastics is still, like I said, tip the iceberg with gymnastics. But the, yeah, it's, it's out there. It can happen. It will happen. It has to happen. You know? Yeah, it's a little stubborn. But thankfully, we see, you know, I agree. I think so. We've had the program going for four years in the summer now. And a lot of kids definitely extenuate that and do proactive care. Like, I'd say 30% of the people I see are just more soft tissue maintenance sports performance, which is awesome because we have a good model that allows that. But I think we're seeing now, like, some of the top NCAA programs who I've been fortunate to work with are saying like, man, this is, I think we're seeing a difference now that we've done this for two years. And like a lot of young kids, like some of the girls that I've been working with for five years on the medical side, like they've started jumping into the summer program and like, like a couple have come back this year and the last year is like, man, I've never had a better college competitive season. Like I felt pretty good. Like I got a little banged up, but like I wasn't, I wasn't like super sore or painful like it was before. And right. so I think, you know, we're seeing the manifestation of it now kind of emerge a little bit. And, um, you know, like I said, it takes, it takes someone who, you know, is open to learning new things. And like, I've learned so much from you and Mike and Kiefer and all these other people that I would never have exposure to if I just sat in my four walls in the gym and said like, nope, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like gymnastics is different, right? Gymnastics is unique, but it's no different than any other sport in terms of the, the principles that you need to be successful. 
Right. I, I think the one thing gymnastics is different in for some is the jumping and landing. We didn't hit upon that. And I want to talk about that because I jumping and landing is, is critical because we see if you jump and land, if you land, sometimes jumping, but if you land a certain way, you have a higher risk of tearing your ACL, like high risk of hurting your knee. And I feel like the gymnastics change the rules where you don't have to land so so upright, so extended in the knee, where you can land with a little bit more flexion. Because we know if you land in a little bit more flexion, so the knee is a little bit more bent when you land, you're recruiting more of the muscles, you get more co-contraction of the quads in the front and the hamstrings in the back to kind of stabilize the knee. I think teaching jumping and landing techniques has been shown to reduce injuries in up to about 67%. There was a meta-analysis that just came out, I think it was last year, by Tim Hewitt and Kate Webster, kind of big wigs of the ACL research world. And they showed a 67% reduction in ACL injuries if you teach how to jump and land, if you teach neuromuscular control drills that are helping the kids get stronger and land a certain way and land quieter and you know softer. So I think like we have to implement the right programs to our kids. And hopefully gym, the gymnastics world will allow the kids to jump and land correctly, so to speak, and not so yeah. vulnerable where yeah. you, you're basically a, a, a jumping and landing that is accepted in gymnastics is putting that kid at a really high risk of hurting yeah. the knee, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you read my mind because this is what I wanted to end on before we split. And so the reason this is, still exists, I don't know where this came from, if I'm being completely honest. Like I, I got taught to land like that just because it, like I think it honestly, the only thing I think of is it's aesthetics. People think it right. looks clear and like right. a ballet or land like that but like ballet dancers don't do triple backs off high bar and land <laughs> with forces right. 15 times their body weight and so right. yeah i think that that's been the biggest struggle and it speaks to it's a perfect point to end on because it speaks to everything we've talked about is like the research is clear that this is something that can massively reduce the injury risk of everything not even acl tears but the the, the stresses through the achilles the stresses uh, through the angles yeah stuff. exactly so if we know that like so for people that are not familiar so the gymnastics way, obviously, as you would know, is more of like a feet together, upright torso, hips are kind of tucked under knee dominant strategy versus what the research says is feet hip width apart in line with the hips, more of a posterior weight shift contraction down to I think 30 degrees glute angle or hip angle and knee angle to, to use eccentric overload and like a more of a, a quad hip dominant strategy with more of a pitch of a, a parallel tibial and trunk angle. Like that's what the research says is supportive. And before we talk about like, maybe the implications of not doing that. Like why once and for all, I want to tell the read, like the listeners, why is it so important that someone does land in that hip dominant strategy? What are the, like the implications for like risk of knee when you don't land like that? Right. If you don't, if you don't land in a 30 degree, what we say around 30 degrees, where you're co-contracting the quadriceps in the front and the hamstrings in the back, you are putting a ton of sharing force. When you're jumping and landing, you have a risk of hyperextending the knee. You know what I mean? Or if you're too, you're too upright, you get that quick jolt and now you're risking the meniscus. You know what I mean? Where you're not getting a nice, easy co-contraction of the muscles. The muscles aren't taking the force. The forces are going to go somewhere. So they do this. And if they're doing this, you're risking bone bruises. We talked about bone bruises earlier, the implications long-term for arthritis in the knee. You're also risking the cartilage in the knee joint. So the meniscus and the cartilage that's on the end of the, of each bone, you're risking doing damage to those surfaces. Never mind. The ankle, where we see, you know, tailor dome fractures and, and, and uh, stress fractures in the, in the talus, that's why it's happening. We're not using the muscles to their fullest ability to absorb the shock, and the forces are going to go somewhere, right? And they're going to probably go through the soft tissue, the bones, and and now that's when you start dealing with other issues. And if they're too upright, maybe you start landing in an extended position. Now you, you maybe low back is implicated as well. So you get low back, hip, knee, ankles. 
um, it's, it's, it's so many different joints that are affected by just not landing correctly. Never mind, we already know a 67% reduction in ACL injuries if they're taught to jump and land correctly and get stronger in that position. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's an easy 67%. Like, why not do it? But I know the sport of gymnastics is traditionally not landed like that. I guess you would yeah. get penalized, right? If you don't land. Exactly. You get you get exactly in score if you land you know, the, the code is aesthetic based and it's not based on right. science. Um, but yeah, it goes to, it goes to like those, those factors are super modifiable. We can work on those. Right. And it goes to, you know, everything we talked about having good ankle flexibility, knowing how to squat properly, knowing the difference between gymnastics specific, like bounding technique, like versus landing properly. There's two different things that an athlete has to learn and knowing how to switch between strategies is that's neuromuscular teaching and control. So once you have the ability and you know how to squat, that's why strength and conditioning is so important because if you can land in that way and then teach your body to absorb the forces with more muscular strength and co-contraction and eccentric control, you're going to put the force spread wide throughout the entire lower body and the core versus when you land the other way, like we said, like the, a lot of the same injuries and impact related stuff, ankle to uh, ankle, you know, to OCD issues or Tyler dome fractures, Achilles stress and, and Severus disease and stuff, Osgood of the knee, you know, issues in the hip issues in the extension of low back. It's all from the same 15 times body weight forces going through you and you're not absorbing it well, it's going somewhere, like depending on who you are and how you land, it might go to your back, it might go to your knee, it might be right. a, an overuse stress fracture or it might blow your ACL out or over time. But like, it's, right. it's all the same equation of like stress over ability to take it, which just goes back to the global thing we talked about of stress. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it comes down to education. It always does. It always comes down to education and communication about that. And until people are willing to listen, we're going to still be fighting this. And hopefully, you know, just getting people respectable out there that, um, you know, are willing to talk about it and not afraid to talk about it and, and can get the platform to talk about it. I think it's critical. So, I, I, again, I applaud you. And, uh, you know, hopefully what we've done a little in baseball, still a long ways to go, can still be, you know, it can be, you know, implemented in the gymnastics world and changes can be made because there's a lot of changes. You know, it's just not, it's not as popular a sport. It's not like baseball. It's not on, you know, it's not the game of the week on ESPN. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's this little niche of a sport and it's to, it's not, I don't know. It's, it needs to be talked about more. Unfortunately, gymnastics has had a bad rap recently with other stuff. Yeah. So word is out there on gymnastics, but you know, I think I, again, I applaud you for, uh, for trying to make change because it's not easy if you're trying to, you know, turn the Titanic and it's, it's just not an easy thing to do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an analogy actually, if you think about it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Good luck. Uh, the iceberg's coming. <laughs> yeah. How are we going to both get on the door though? Like Jack and uh, how we both fit on the door to make sure nobody goes down in the water. Exactly. Right, exactly. On the door. <laughs> Playing poker. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that goes, that's a good way to end it from the starting with Game of Thrones to ending with Titanic. That'll be, with Titanic. Yeah, exactly. that'll, be my that'll be the clip that we use. We'll cut from Game of Thrones to Titanic with ACLs right. in between. <laughs> <laughs> all right well lenny um i thank you for your time you have so much that uh, you've taught me and i'm lucky to have you and mike and everybody else at champion to help me with this uphill journey but um where can people find more about you know if they want to learn about some of that acl stuff or they want to know about you and you know stuff yeah. that you're working yeah you can find me i'm all over social media i'm at len mac pt l-e-n-m-a-c-p-t i'm on twitter instagram i have a facebook page i also have my own web page lennymacrina.com where i'm constantly putting stuff out there about blog posts 
and just trying to get the word out there on what I think is the best way to rehab people and what I've done, my experience. I have a YouTube channel as well. So, you know, get out there and, 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 and subscribe to my, to my blog and uh, hopefully we can uh, interact and, and continue to spread the, the good word. You can also just roll up on him at the golf course and maybe just see if he's doing yeah, exactly. Well, if you want to, we'll golf together. And we can talk uh, injuries. I'd love it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, Len. Uh, I will see you in an hour when I get to the clinic. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. Tickets and full information can be found online at www.shiftmovementscience.com forward slash 2022 shift symposium. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests do you want to have on in the future? And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.